Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I read it as what we already know. Like him mainly probably wrote that in my mind. He wrote it with Deontay Johnson's comments in mind and probably what he's hearing off the record from some of these players. Because if that's all it is, then that's really not a story. No, it's that a story we, if Omar Khan or Andy Weidel or Mike Tomlin, any of those three, I guess I'd throw Art Rooney in there, but I think we know where Art stands. If anybody in the player procurement power structure has planted their flag and said, listen, this guy is better than Kenny Pickett, and we need to recognize that and acknowledge that, that would be a major issue. So that's why I give uh, Rich Eisen credit then for asking this follow-up question to Dulac. Well, it's not in the management coaching level. Uh, in in I'm not so sure about that either. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you know, I, I, I will say this, and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and limit it to just say uh, that it was amongst the players. But look, the coaching staff, the front office, they see what Mason Rudolph did, and they're not going to turn a blind eye to it. Okay, that's a different story then. If it's people on the coaching staff and in the front office, which if we had to predict here, who do you think inside the Steelers organization – would be more inclined to think Rudolph should play ahead of or is better than Kenny Pickett. Who are the people that we would put in that uh, pile or that category? Are there any? I think that, I mean, I think people who didn't, who weren't involved with drafting either guy. Okay, so that would mean Con and Weidel. Not really. Con was around. Yeah. But Weidel, how much Weidel's say did he, the only I, guy. I, don't I know, think, but Omar, I don't think oh, that Con had a lot of say then. Okay, but uh, but was Omar Kevin's was still there. Draft. But Omar was still there. Omar was being groomed to take over. We know that now. So I think it's most likely it, it makes the most sense that Andy Weidel would come in. Yes, a Pittsburgh native, but with no overt ties really to the franchise, and not want to suffer their BS about consistency and patience and steadiness, and just say, "Look, that guy left completely for dead professionally." came in and played better than the guy we picked 20th overall a couple years ago. Them's the facts. That's how I would view it. I also would wonder, like, what scouts and maybe some... The real the real question would be, do any of, like, the members of the coaching staff, assistants, anybody... Granted, it's, like, a coaching staff that's been turned over now this offseason, but are mm-hmm. there any holdovers there? Like, you... Here's a, here's a random thought for you. Wouldn't you think maybe like some of the guys who have stuck around on that defensive coaching staff look at Mason Rudolph and they're like, well, that makes my job easier if he's in there. He's better right now. or he's, At the very least, he's scoring more points while he's running that offense than Kenny. You don't think those guys all look at that and say it's easier to do my job as a defensive coach or Tara Lawson's case as sort of the, uh, the Monday through Friday defensive coordinator if a guy is putting up 30 points in a game? 
Well, not if they share the opinion of the head coach, which is he's a statue quarterback, he's an immobile quarterback, and it's much harder to defend guys who move. I'm just saying they have minds of their own. I'm, I'm hypothesizing. Not that they would share it. I'm saying do what they? If- among the guys who are left, do they I have think, any independent honestly, thinkers that are going to challenge honestly, Mike on things? Honestly, yes. Honestly, in, no. Challenge him, maybe not. Have their own thoughts on things, absolutely. You can't tell me that anybody involved with that def- with that coaching staff wouldn't, who's still there right now wouldn't have taken notice of what Rudolph did against Cincy and then Seattle and even in the rain against Baltimore. But I don't even think it would be Austin. Austin has strong connections to Pitt. My God, we lived no, through a five-year period where every time Pitt needed a new coach, he was mentioned as one of the leading candidates for the job. So I would think on some level, emotionally even, he's got a soft spot for Kenny the same way that Mike Tomlin does and the same way that Art Rooney does. I mean, I I think that the two guys, if it's possible, if you just follow the breadcrumbs here from what Dulac said, if there's anybody within the organization who I think would feel that way, it would be Weidel and Khan for different reasons. I mean, I think with Weidel, he's a scout. He just puts the tape on. What does the tape tell him? Not just the Steelers tape, but what does the Pitt tape tell him? What do you think Khan's perspective is? I think Khan's perspective is probably more, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, I think it's probably closer to how we feel. Like, look at the types of players that are winning championships. Look at how the teams are built. Look at look at the quarterbacks that are doing it. I think that's Weidel's perspective, too, though. Like, I think Weidel as a scout would know that, too. And I think I think you're right about Omar. He'd say... What does it matter? Like, it's probably easier for me to build a, a better team if I just have a cheat code at quarterback. Right. And so... I have more he, margin for error or whatever. Yeah, but like, okay, let's make the list of quarterbacks who are winning Super Bowls in the last few years. Does Kenny Pickett have qualities or attributes or traits that remind me of those guys? No. And like, maybe the strongest one would be, well, in terms of work ethic and want to and things like that, he is comparable to Brady or Mahomes. But see, I think that the old school football guy would put more stock in that than the GM who honestly comes from more of an analytical background. He's more about, he's numbers. He's a numbers-based guy. The only argument I think Khan would make for Kenny is, even though uh, Mahomes is the exception to the rule, it is just flat out easier to win big in the NFL when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. I mean, Brady's the exception too. Also but Brady that, but was yeah. taking less money. No, he he wasn't was. even getting market was. value. He wasn't breaking. I mean, the Mahomes, bank. Mahomes at this point now is probably taking less than market value. But yeah, I think Khan, if he looked at Kenny, the one argument he would make is the five years that you have him on a relatively cheap deal, if he's good, are the best five years you're going to have chance wise to win it. And he probably looks at that and says, "This is a sunk cost already. Like we're not we're not getting where we need to go with this guy. Whether he's making four million or twenty million or forty million. The bottom line here is that it appears to me through their biggest insider, through the guy that's covered the Steelers for the longest time, that it's really for them at the end of the day. It's about Pickett versus Rudolph. The that's, oh, yeah. that's what it's about. But that the f- it's not about the, uh, the rookie class or rookie crops. It's not about the free agent and trade opportunities. It's about... Who do they feel more strongly or who do they believe in more, Pickett or Rudolph? And that's why when this article first came out and then the reaction to it that came with it, I got sick to my stomach because I'm like, if if that's really what this 2024 season is going to be about, Pickett versus Rudolph, I've got to really set my sights pretty low on what what we're going to accomplish from it, what we're going to get out of it. What the end game is. If it's Pickett versus Rudolph, there's not even a game. Forget about how underwhelming that would feel and be. 
Think about the fact that Rudolph isn't even a guarantee to be back. They can say all they want that that's what it's really about. They might have even gotten some sort of tacit sign from him that they think he does want to come back and that they can play ball with him and that they're going to get a deal done. All it takes is one team sauntering in there if they don't get something done when they have basically the exclusive chance to do so and saying, hey, Mason, how about 2-20? and 20? We really believe in you. Well, that's why I think this internal division thing is interesting if it does extend to the front office because if it's some of these people that have big opinions think that Rudolph is better than Pickett, well, then that'll be reflected in the offer they make to him. And the expediency with which we're hearing about, like, hey, they've already started quietly working back channels here to get this thing done ASAP and get the framework sketched out. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It not only really happened, uh, and, and if you noticed, I think in that sentence, in that paragraph, I said, among other things, and it was probably based on what I was told by two people who would know, the other part of that message was probably more surprising to me, but the mere fact that uh, he was texted, you know, we're talking one month after they jumped into free agency and signed him immediately yeah. to be that quarterback that when they draft Kenny Pickett, he receives a message from somebody who would matter to say, okay, now we have Kenny Pickett. Could you text him and congratulate him? And no wonder Mitch Trubisky spent the next four or five months looking over his shoulder as to when all that was going to come down. To me, to do that was kind of, it was toned down. That is Jerry Dulac on, on Rich Eisen's show. This article that he wrote over the weekend and then some of the things he said about it after the fact on the show does not paint the Steelers in a very good light when it comes to how they've handled the quarterback position since Ben retired. And it really makes them out like there's some bumbling Three Stooges kind of uh, aspects to this where they're not really sure of what they're doing and some of the things that they've asked their quarterbacks to do or how they feel about the quarterbacks is just kind of uh, nonsensical. So Jerry made, makes a big deal in this article, and he just rehashed the story with uh, Rich, that when Trubisky signed and then they drafted Pickett a month later, somebody, and he didn't say who in the organization, but someone very high told Mitch, ordered him, that he needed to text Kenny Pickett a congratulatory welcome to the team can't wait to get you in here Who do you think and get started. Job? If it's ordered to do it, it's not Rooney. He wouldn't order himself. Is it Mike? <laughs> Sounds like it's Rooney telling Mike. Yeah, we got to make sure we've got everybody on the same page here. Have Mitch send this message to Kenny. 
Um, I think that what they've done is bumbling, but I think like the the tone deafness of stuff like that is it pales in comparison as far as annoys me and, and leaves me feeling like they are rudderless when compared with just the actual names that they have tried to fill the position with. And this is not, I always have to preface this, everybody knows where I stand on Pickett, but let's be real. They bring in Mitch Trubisky first, people in Chicago already like screaming, ha ha, good one, enjoy that. He had a good record here but he wasn't clearly the guy, right? They draft a quarterback, the first quarterback off the board at pick 20, which never happens anymore because teams are so desperate in one of the worst quarterback drafts on paper that we have ever seen. They do it in part, probably, at least in some small measure because they're concerned about losing out on another pit guy if somebody else takes him after they pick and they would have, you know, whiffed twice because of Dan Marino. And then they leave the guy on the bench, who actually, it turns out, could play a little bit and clearly got better watching all these years until the bitter end of the season, he saves their ass and they don't even know if he's going to be on the roster next year. And we also have heard that they are not interested in any, according to Jerry, any kind of major starter-level acquisition a la Fields or somebody else. Yeah, yeah, we've got clips from Jerry on what he said about Fields that we're going to get to in a little bit here. But... You know, he makes it, he he paints the picture here. He suggests that Trubisky played scared because of the way the relationship started with Pickett, that he was looking over his shoulder from day one. Because when you ask him to do that, you're, you, you signed him to be your starter, but you're already asking him to be a mentor before he even takes a snap, which, I mean, look, I don't think Mitch Trubisky was owed any assurances or any kind of long leash he had failed in Chicago and he'd been a backup in Buffalo the year before but I do think what this speaks to and this is why I actually I'm not gonna react to this and think well there's no way they don't bring in somebody from the outside there's just very little conviction or confidence in their plans they abort mission they 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 call an audible on their quarterbacks all the time so they thought they were signing Trubisky to be the starter, but then Pickett popped up, so they said the hell with that. Um, they thought that they were going to have Pickett wait and be patient with him, but then Trubisky was so bad, they said the hell with that three and a half games into the season. You know, they they drafted Mason Rudolph, I think, in part to be Ben's successor. And then lost but, their nerve about but it. But then they buried him on the depth chart and benched him for Duck Hodges. So it really doesn't take much for them to change their minds. Well, I just think things. they're very bad at evaluating and, the, the well, position. Well, yeah, and I, but I think that would extend to Kenny, too. Of course like, it extends. That's the biggest, loudest example of where that extends is to Kenny. If I'm saying that they're bad, that they're the way that they handle quarterbacks is bad evaluation process and that they pull the ripcord quickly, I mean, they did it to him, too, but in his case, I think they were right to do it. They had to try to save their season, which Mason Rudolph did, but now he's a free agent. I don't know. Like, what? A, you know what? Other than Tomlin's obsession with quarterback mobility, and Pickett is a nice scrambler and occasionally can, can run for 10 or so yards. Other than that, what do we know about what they like in a quarterback? Do they have, like, do they prefer a guy with a classic, like, 6'4, 220 pound body type? Do they like a guy who. What, what are the things that they see on the negatives list with a quarterback that they're willing to deal with and try to work out of his game? I don't know anything other than want a guy who can run at the position as to like what their checklist is. 
I feel like I know nothing. They've given me no sense of what they are looking for. Well, they've given you a sense from what Tomlin has said on the record and then also the quarterbacks that he's been connected to in the draft. Fields being strong. Guys who can run. Yeah. And yet the guy who had the most success for them is by far the most immobile of the post-bench quarterbacks. Which, by the way, we get all this stuff now and... You know, I've heard the same things Jerry has about how much they loved Fields. You know, this ultimate mobile quarterback. And even they brought Mahomes in for a visit, and they liked him a lot. Not enough to trade up to get him like the Chiefs did, but they at least thought that he was going to be a pretty good quarterback. Probably not this good. Definitely not this good. You never hear anything about them with Lamar Jackson. They could have drafted him in that draft. Mm -hmm. He went 32nd. They took Terrell. They took Terrell Edmonds a couple of picks before. Well, that was an obvious home run by them, so you could understand it. I mean, if Tomlin Tomlin is aroused by quarterback mobility, Lamar Jackson didn't do it for him? You know, I've never heard one time that Tomlin was really interested in Jackson, which is interesting. Did given what we know about, he was so about, raw as a passer that they couldn't get more out of him. I mean, was he raw as a passer? He'd won the Heisman Trophy, and he actually, if you look at his offense, he played it in Louisville. It was very much a pro style. Well, to be fair, offense. to be fair, you were a major doubter of his. Oh, and still I'm, are. I'm not saying I'm not saying I wasn't, but I'm based on what we know. You at you said what do what do we know about their preference for quarterback? What they like about quarterbacks? Well, here's one skill that they apparently Tomlin. Puts above all else, you need to be a dynamic runner. Then why isn't and, Trubisky? Why didn't Trubisky just get the long term deal? Because he's clearly the best runner of the bunch. Because he just is really, really bad at everything else. Oh, just horrible at everything else. Well, that's why he got an extension after his first year. Well, they thought he could help mentor Kenny and be a good Kenny. Watch everything I do, then do the opposite. The Panthers outclassed the Cardinals, beat them for the second time this year. And the Panthers, more importantly, have won five games in a row thanks to the Blake Henson Show. 41 points. Amazing. Final score, the Panthers 86 and Louisville 59. No, I actually didn't realize I tied the three-point record, which is, which is cool, which was my own. So, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if that came up arrogant, but... um. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Like, honestly, nah, I just, I, I mean, I definitely knew I was putting up a lot of points, but I didn't know I was on any record-breaking streaks. Donnie's Dog Pick is brought to you by Farmer's Dog. Fresh, human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. It's time for the College Basketball Minute. Blake Hinson right there, 41. He was scintillating against uh, Louisville. So hot, and you hope it carries over tonight on the road at Wake Forest. This is... One of the biggest college basketball games of the year because both of these teams are right on the bubble. Wake Forest, most bracket projections say barely out. Pitt, a little bit more out. But you win another road game against a team that is undefeated at home this year. Wake Forest is 13-0 in Winston-Salem. You'd sweep them for the year. They're, you're knocking down a team you're chasing and competing with for that spot. Yes. You're racking another quad one road win. Yes, the all-important net ranking quads. Uh, and Donnie, this could be your dog pick because the Panthers are a six-and-a-half-point dog in this game. Lenardi also put out his latest bracketology, what, about four hours ago now, just before noon. 
And he has this game highlighted tonight, Pitt and Wake Forest, because it's two teams on the bubble. He said it has the most bracket significance. Hmm. And he put, in quotes, a must-win for both teams. But he added to at least retain their positioning on the bubble. I mean, you because would, I would think if Pitt loses, they if they and then they win out, they're still in because yeah. they beat Clemson, which would be a massive win. For I them mean, on th- the road. this game has a lot of weight. I understand that, but if if Pitt loses tonight and then they take care of business elsewhere, they have to be a team that is more than on the bubble. Lenardi's first four outs: Providence, Utah, Cincy, and Wake, and then Pitt's the last team mentioned in the next four out. I honestly think if Pitt wins this tonight, they would just swap positions with Wake. You'd immediately jump them into Wake's spot in your like fourth team out of the tournament, the 72nd team, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, I think if Pitt wins tonight, they should be in most bracket projections when these things get updated because last year, when they barely made it, we were told that their analytics were crappy. Mm-hmm. And even though their ACC record was great, that's what really mattered to the committee, the analytics, the numbers. Well... Their numbers are much better this year than last year. They're already in the top 50 of the net rankings. If they win this game on the road, they're going to be closer to 35 than they are 50. And so that, to me, the numbers would tell me that they would be not a lock to make it, but they would be in because they'd have three road wins against NCAA tournament caliber teams. And there are just very few teams in America that can boast of that this is asking a lot if they beat wake and they beat clemson they can actually i think afford a home stumble against a a lesser team because those four road wins would be monsters if they beat those two teams and don't get in well then i will feel like the ncaa tournament committee will have moved the goalposts on them well they'd have it out just to take them just to keep them out um they also you're in a funny position now as a pit fan you need to be rooting for virginia to not do things like they did yesterday or get, they got crushed get by beat Virginia by Tech. Thir- 34 points. They scored as a team as many as Blake Hinson did. You need to root for Virginia to get it right in a hurry. Um, I actually think this has a chance to be, if they make the tournament, a very, very dangerous ball club. I really I agree. do. I think, they can, I think they can make the second weekend with the way they're playing and the way they're structured and, and put together And right look, now. you give C- Capel some benefit of the doubt because after last year, he lost Burton, he lost Elliott, he lost Cummings, he lost some good players. And it took them a while, but they've been able to rebound this year. So I will have that in the back of my mind. But just from some of the things I've read, like Noah Hiles had an article today about this. Hanson's going to be gone. He's going to take senior day honors. He's off to play pro basketball somewhere. So his incredible shooting touch, is gonna he's going to take his talent somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It does not seem like a guarantee to me that both of those guards are back next year. They got to show them that the money. they are going to be very, very expensive, especially Carrington, who I would think. Although the, Noah said it's NBA or Pitt for him. Well, so I, far. I was just going to say I would guarantee you that he at least tests the NBA waters and goes through all the workouts and everything else, and maybe sees where he's valued. Although yeah, I think and he comes would, and then comes back to Pitt or comes back to college. He basketball. would strike me as a guy who'd end up in the G League for a year or two, probably to polish some things. Like to me, in the NBA, he could be a very good rotational player. Maybe even like I mean, one look of those at Champagne. minor stars. He well, left. He could have played more college hoops. That ended up probably being a his, mistake. His by problem, him. though, was being a six-six tweener. Carrington is a a legit six-five point guard. If he develops a, a more consistent three-point shot, I think he becomes very attractive to NBA teams. All right, so we've got Pitt and Wake Forest. We also have. What happened last night in the Southland Conference between Immaculate Word and Texas A&M Commerce? 
moves to three and ten. And with, oh no, this is not good. This is really not good. We've got punches being thrown. This is really bad. Oh my goodness. Ooh, full team fight. Coaches in the middle of it. Wouldn't be surprised. Someone got a nick on the face there. This is not what you want to see after that close of it a game. It has been a great game. We've got everything going on right now. We still have guys running after people. This guy isn't exactly Jim Ross. Oh my Someone goodness. in the crowd was hurt and hit. The test is in the stands. Oh, it looks like a young girl. Well, we got a manager that has blood on his face. Yeah, that video is everywhere. Some of the worst play-by-play -play and color analysis Kevin, I've Kevin ever Harlan, heard in my entire life. Harlan needed to be on the call there. And we've got a Donnie Brook. They're throwing rights, lefts, lefts, and rights. If you've seen the video, there's probably 20 people on the court, and there, there is blood, and it's people a are getting punched in the face. It's a melee. And she said a little nick on the face, like somebody barely got cut But the play-by-play -play guy's like, oh... Oh uh, no! I get that it's oh, not what you want to see, and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna spawn a bunch of people saying this is pathetic behavior, and it is by both sides. Done with all the uh, the alacrity. You like that word, pony? Of yeah. somebody ordering like an English muffin for breakfast? Yeah, I'll I have, mean, uh, I, I that was one of the most easy. subdued calls I've ever heard in my entire life of a crazy, insane moment. What's the guy's call in the Miracle on Ice? And time's ticking down, and <laughs> wouldn't you know it, the U.S. team's going to beat the Soviets here. I, I haven't Mahomes gotten to, to see. Hardman. The Chiefs have won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Good for them. Post-game coming up. Smart takes the shot, and there it is. Indiana wins the championship. I haven't gotten to witness that doing any basketball play-by-play. -play. I would legit be out of my seat. If there was like an encore, oh, you'd be calling wrestling on. moves. You'd be like, "That's a German suplex." I would be See, fired if I up. were in Donnie's shoes, that that kind of stuff pisses me off so much. Donnie's here, grinding his balls off. No offense to these schools, but he's calling Geneva College and you know, Washington and Jefferson. Games. He's yeah. calling President's hey, Athletic. Hey, I got the PAC Women's Basketball Championship game on Saturday. All right, so Hello. He, he's doing these games. He's doing his best. And this jabroni's doing a Division One basketball game. He's got easily the most exciting, most insane, most thrilling thing that is probably ever going to happen to him, calling games in the Southland Conference, and that's his reaction to it? I know. If I'm his bosses, I'm like, dude, we got to get you. You need a five-hour energy drink? Coffee? What's it going to take for me to pep your ass up? I feel like both the play-by-play -play oh. and the color commentator didn't want to, like, seem basically excited about a brawl. But, like, you're conveying the action to the people who are listening to oh, this. Oh, and they're still fighting each other. Oh, wow. And there's people bleeding now. Oh, and oh, a somebody girl in the stand, got A hit. little girl in the stands, little Susie, which does suck for that little girl in the stands. But, like, they called it with no energy whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not asking for enthusiasm. Like, ha, 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 this is great. The guy, in my mind's eye, I'm painting a picture. Here's, like, two or three people slugging it out, maybe. If you watch the video, it is just an absolute chaos scene. Yeah, he does, he does not paint that at no. all. What's the name of our buddy that does um, wrestling play-by-play -play who fell asleep on the air for us here? Matt the Kid. Uh, oh, no, Corey he, Graves. He, Corey Graves. He was, yeah, I Corey, almost gave his real name there. Corey had more energy when he fell asleep on the air for us than those guys <laughs> did in that play-by-play. -play Manning gets away. He throws it down the field. Touchdown. Tyree catches the football. As a sidebar, 
I cannot believe Harrison interception. I know. To the ten, the to twenty, the yeah, the thirty. Oh, now he's to the forty, the, to 50. the fifty. Back by to the, the way, 40. this interception return is brought to you by Gillette. The I can't best believe, a man can get. I cannot believe. Oh, and he's Corey scoring Graves. a touchdown. Not for nothing. Just like Kurt Angle doing local sports here and being completely in over his head, I cannot believe Corey Graves went from falling asleep on the graveyard shift here to being literally good enough on the mic in WWE that that's his job. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.